Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard from Australian Brews News. Today on Beer as a Conversation, we chat with Jade Flavelle, co-owner and publican of the Wheat Chief Hotel in Adelaide and brewer at the Weedy Brewing Corps. The Wheat Chief is one of Australia's great good beer pubs and Jade is a passionate publican who runs it with a clear set of guiding principles shaped by her view of craft beer. Since launching her own small brewery, she's brought that same passion to her own beers and Weedy Brewing Corps was this year named the Hopco Champion Small Craft Brewery at the Craft Beer Awards. Jade is always a great chat and never short of a view on most topics, as you'll soon hear. Enjoy the conversation. It is a pleasure once again for about, I think, maybe the third or fourth time to welcome our next guest to Beer as a Conversation. But this is the first time that we get to welcome her as the champion small brewer at the Australian Craft Beer Awards, uh, Jade Flavel. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Prof, Prof, I probably have to say that I don't know that we've actually spoken to Jade since we've spoken to her as the uh, publican of the Weedy, uh, probably twice. Um, and also when the brewery was in planning, but not post-brewery operation. So we've been, I think we've been very remiss in, remiss in doing that. Oh, you know, give, give us a couple of years to get it all, uh, get all our ducks lined up and, you know, that's all right. Don't want to overdo this. Well, things. we only speak to award winners, Jane. <laughs> You're getting fussy now, are you? <laughs> well, look, we should point out to our listeners that uh, when in Adelaide recently for the um, the Craft Beer Industry Association Awards and the conference, uh, that Jade may have slightly tongue-in-cheek um, dropped a hint that perhaps she wasn't feeling as loved by um, us here at Radio Brews News as, as we could have been. We could argue that we just wanted to, as I say, as you said, Jade, let you settle in and, and get the, the brewery bedded in and then start winning awards before we kind of, you know, knocked on your door again. So here's the love. Keep right? them keen, eh? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, we can relo- we'll relocate to Melbourne or Sydney, then we'll be, then we'll be fine. <laughs> Well, you just sell sell to um, you know one of the one of the big breweries or something like that, and then um, and then they'll they'll end up with wheaty franchises in each state. Well, waiting for the tap on the shoulder. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so so are we, Jade. So are we. And uh, you know, we actually have a very strict policy. Uh, you know, we we don't want to be members of any club that would have us as members, and uh, we we don't want to interview anyone that actually wants us to interview them. Yeah, well, I reckon we'll, we'll probably be waiting as long as each other then, because we, you know, our philosophy is kind of kind of similar. Anyone who we we we, we might want to buy us are not going to be, even be remotely interested, and those who might be remotely interested, we're not going to be even, you know, even thinking about selling to. So yeah, no, we're we're in a bind. I think it's you know we're both going to hell. <laughs> but at least we'll be hand in hand, and, and there'll be plenty of friends there. Hey, Jay, before we uh, before we get into. Um, the, the, the award, the, the big gong. Um, talk us through, for those who don't know, the Wheaty Brewing Corps, um, how the setup is there and, and how it got started and, and how, it's, how it's all going. Yeah, sure. So the Wheaty, as a, uh, as a pub, in terms of our stewardship of the Wheaty, we've been kicking around for 14 and a half years uh, as a beer specialist pub, live music venue, no pokies, etc., etc. And it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in. 
but for many years it was just it was just a plan. You know, we just thought, oh yeah, yeah, one day we'll put a brewery in. It was kind of a you know a, a throwaway line, and the intention was there, but there was no you know nothing really behind it for many years. It took a lot longer than we'd originally planned. Um, but about uh, about four or five years ago, uh, we got to the point where we said, well, if we're going to do this, we you know we may as well do it now. And it, it come to a point where we needed to decide between putting uh, putting in a kitchen because the Weedy hasn't had a kitchen for a good 60 years. It's been a long time between meals, and we had you know, we were tossing up. So we we either put put a kitchen in finally, or we put that brewery in. And um, I think we made the right decision when it came to a which which choice was made. You know, Weedy uh, the brewery is much more Weedy. Um, lots of pubs well, have, you, you have can, kitchens. You can also Not get many a... have their own breweries. Exactly, and you can always get a, as you do, you can always get a food truck to rock up outside your pub at dinner time. You can't get a brewery to rock up outside the pub. No, but you can contract brew, and I know a lot of places do that, but exactly, it was a much, much better idea for us to insource the beer and, you know, outsource the food. Um, you know, uh, food food is important, but, you know, it's not, not our focus, so beer was, was, was much more weedy style. Um, so about four and a half years uh Four and a half years ago, we started planning in earnest, and then said, "Right, let's let you know, let's bite, bite the bullet, let's let's do this." And started um, thinking seriously about uh, what what size system, where to get the system from, what how it was all going to sort of hang together. And then uh, early 2014, we um, we we built the brewery. So we on site. It was really important for us to to put the brewery on site and or be part of the whole the whole weedy um, <clears throat> the whole weedy pub area um little system 600 litre and we figured small batch high turnover was was the key we figured that the, the strength for us being able to brew our own beer is uh is that flexibility and you know to use a sort of hiking metaphor be you know fast and light so instead of <clears throat> laying siege to you know core core styles and just you know brewing them and nothing else we thought we can just you know travel light be really responsive and uh, and play as if we were contract brewers brewing on someone else's kit, but we also have the stability of knowing that it is our own stainless, so we don't have to fight for tank space or worry about you know our host brewery deciding they don't want to do it anymore. So it was just kind of the best of both worlds, and um, for for us that strength of being able to play, um, being able to test out plentiful you know dubious brewing theories that developed over the over the many years and we've literally poured thousands of other people's beers over the years and you know had exposure to some excellent beers and and thought well you know that'd that'd be interesting and how about if we just do that with that kind of beer and how about we take it in this direction and why isn't anyone not trying sours you know possibly for very good reason why isn't anyone brewing with anchovies you know all those burning questions that we'd um, we'd been thinking about for years we could uh, we could then put into practice so 600-litre system, uh, premium stainless combi tank, so it's designed for you know really small footprint. Um, uh, electric HLT, gas, kettle. We originally started with three single-batch fermenters and then replaced one of the singles with a double almost exactly a year ago, uh, and that, that saved our butt in terms of not running out of beer. Um, <clears throat> we've been very prolific since opening, so I reckon today we're brewing our 178th batch um and there are over 80 different beers in those 178 batches so you know we can literally have a chat about a beer develop a recipe brew it tomorrow drink it in you know four five six weeks and that flexibility is uh is our strength i reckon and the strength of, of brew pubs in general 
Um, so we've 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 played. We've also um, been able to collaborate. We've formed uh, friendships with brewers from all over the world over the last sort of 14 and a half years, and there aren't too many brewers who don't like the idea of um, of, of laying down a brew when they visit. So instead of you know just doing a meet the brewer session or a tap takeover, a ticket tasting, and so on, which is is all fun. Uh, if you just pop the questions, they look. Well, you're here. Do you want to, you know, have a, have a play in the brewery? And uh, there aren't too many brewers who, time permitting, say no to that. Um, which is great. They get to play and do stuff they wouldn't necessarily be able to do in their own kit. Um, and we get to pick their brains and and basically get an education worth its weight in gold. So yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. You know, and a pretty pretty damn steep learning curve. Um, I had no formal training as a, as a brewer home brewer and avid reader and uh, asked lots of questions but no formal training so there was, a, there was a lot to learn in a short space of time um, and I think certainly the, the difference in our beers from when we first started pouring them to now is, um, is, is, quite, uh, is quite dramatic but uh, you know, a good thing. And more importantly, for those of the, our listeners who are familiar with you and your work, it's given you a great opportunity to uh, release um, some really good beery puns on your uh, on your different beers. <laughs> exactly, and often often it's the pun that comes first, as you know, as as you go to the beer world. So you come up with a pun, and then you design a beer around it. Um, yeah, reverse engineering. Exactly right. And then think, shit, how can we turn that into a beer? And then how can we, you know, <laughs> how can we sell that beer? Um, uh, I'm looking at one right now on our taps, which is, I think, one of, one of my favourite puns of ours. It's Moulet Rouge, as in M-O-U-L-E, which, of course, is a muscle red ale. So it's a, re- a red ale with muscles in it, which, you know, potentially sounds like a train wreck, but it, but it kind of works. That was a, a collaboration with uh, Gladfield Malt and Doctor's Orders. So Gladfield, it's a showcase for their malt. We brewed it to release uh, for the, com- the conference in Adelaide this year. And so all Gladfield malt, big, rich, red, toasty red ale. And Doc being Doc was, you know, pretty keen to give it a twist. And we had this pun sitting there. And it's like, it's, it's too good. <laughs> it's too good. It's got, it's got to happen. <laughs> it's got to happen. So it? seven and a half kilos of Boston Bay mussels in Whirlpool. And uh, we put in a, a, a brewer's dozen oysters just so we'd have something to eat afterwards. And uh, oysters were delicious, you know. Haven't been cooked in wort. Uh, the 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 mussels were not, really not so tasty. They're seriously bitter. They picked up a lot of hot character, and we had to drown them in lemon juice, salt, and pepper, and Tabasco, and then they were kind of okay. But we handed them out around the bar afterwards, and uh, got a mixed response from the mussels. Fair to say, but um, but the the beer itself is nowhere near as scary as it sounds. It's just a, a big, rich red, very smooth. Um, just that little bit of uh, salty salinity going on in the background. And if you didn't know it had muscles in it, you wouldn't know it had muscles in it. So that, that's one of my favourite puns. But, you know, with, with the name of the brewery, rather than going with co, because there are enough brewing co's out there, we thought core, because uh, it's another opportunity to, to play. And uh, those of us who are old enough to remember John Howard, you know, the infamous, you know, weasel, weasel genius of exactly right. Core promise and non-core promise, you know, which obviously everything's a core promise at the time, and then you retrospectively decide when you want to break one that that core promise is actually a non-core promise. And it's like, ah, if that's not a if that's not a beer name, I don't know what is. So we have core promise, which is our rye pale, which was a gold medal winner at the awards, and non-core promise, which is our rye IPA, uh, which picked up a silver. So they also, I'm sure the, the awards were just as much for the for the puns as anything else. Core blonde, weedy bix, you know. No, we've had uh, we've had a good bit of fun with the names. 
and we've had a lot to come up with, so it's over 80. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's a bit like, you know, Muso trying to name songs. You kind of get to a point where you're like, what, what, you know, is there anything that hasn't been done yet? Yeah, exactly. Hey, Joe, you mentioned you mentioned scary, um, and you also mentioned that the hot liquor tank um, is electric powered. Being in Adelaide, is that uh, a bit of a worry that when the lights go out, you won't be able to brew? I'll oh, just keep pedalling. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we actually the the, the big blackout uh, just over a year ago. We were brewing that day, of course. It was a Wednesday, and uh, we literally just knocked out. Um, and then the power went. And, you know, every, we've been pretty lucky. In 14 and a half years, it's, we've only ever had, you know, a few surges. So we just, you know, maybe maybe there'd be less than one a year. So we thought, right, that's just what it is. <clears throat> and I thought, no, that's, that's, nothing's coming back on. Maybe I've just blown a fuse, went, went out to the board, and everything looked completely fine. Walked into the pub, and it, it was very dark and very quiet. <laughs> and thought, oh, okay, there's something going on here. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that was it. Battery-powered radio. Um, luckily, we were brewing an ale, uh, and as I said, it was, it was all in tank. We had to do a cold water clean as best we could without pumps, uh, and then just listen to the radio, basically, and wait for our power to come back on. It came back on, so it, we lost power at about 3 or 4 in the afternoon, came back on uh, just before midnight that night, um, so we were luckier than, <clears throat> than some, and then we CIP'd the brewery from midnight till about 3 in the morning, which was... Nice a lot of fun but then after that we were fine so the, the beer was fine we were quite lucky there was um other local brewers not so lucky and they lost batches or ended up you know brewing uh, stuck mashes uh, and yeah yeah they, they you know they became sour mash or kettle sour yeah didn't pirate life turn theirs into a kettle sour that's they yeah i think there was a, a sour a sour mash which they hadn't planned to brew at the time but but did but i'd uh, I know West End up the road. I think they had to dump a whole batch. So yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty damaging and a little disconcerting. But again, you know, we're um, pretty lucky in that respect. That even if we did lose a batch, it wouldn't it wouldn't kill us. Um, Six hundred litres. It would it would hurt because obviously it's a lot of work and a lot of effort. But wouldn't be the end of the world um, financially. Same as if we make mistakes or something doesn't go to plan. You know, it's, we we can take risks because the consequences of you know stuff not working are not disastrous. Uh, if we lost all of our tanks, that would I, I would shed tears. And if our cold rooms went over an extended period, then yeah, that's serious serious losses there because we kind of use our cold room as a um, as a library and like to have at least sort of 12 to 15 different beers. Uh, in keg, sitting at three, four degrees, and just see how they, you know, see how they develop. You know, that kettle sour saison that should have fallen apart after a few months is, is getting better with with time. You know, that Russian imperial is probably peaking now. The bock we're not even going to look out for three or four months, or whatever. So if if we lost that, it would be pretty sad. Um, but yeah, we're, we're giving some serious thought to a little generator just for the brewery, the pub. Yeah. You know, we could we can get by, but the brewery, uh, yeah, I think we might we brewery in cold rooms. We might look at it a little generator. And solar has long been in the plans, and once uh, you know we can settle on a battery option, then um, yeah, I, I think uh, not not a bad plan to have a, black, a backup plan. Yeah, and if somebody can come up with some sort of technology whereby you can capture the sounds of uh, aeroplanes flying across the flight path right across the top, um, you'd be able to power the, um, the the brewery indefinitely. Exactly right. Well, you know, Rosie does a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, rendition of the different, you know, A380s, and uh, you know, <laughs> and I'm meant to be able to tell the difference. But yeah, it would, it would certainly uh, then then the punters would be none the wiser. You know, hey, Jade, you mentioned the day. You, 
You mentioned hard work, and um, for those who have seen the brewery, despite the fact that it is uh, good things come in very, very small packages, um, it's not a one-girl operation. I was lucky enough to, to meet your brewing crew, but for those who haven't, introduce us. Sure. So it's it's myself as the head brewer, and then Dave, and Dave's um, really keen brewer. He works behind the bar as well as one of our duty managers, and uh, worked for some time. He's from Adelaide originally, but worked for some time at the uh, Galbraith's Ale House. He was managing there for a while, so he's been very much involved in the in the the beer industry for for years. Um, and he's great. So he, you know, all, our team, three of us, uh, we you know can all can all brew keg. You know, CIP, the whole the whole shebang. Worked mobile bar, worked weedy bar. It's uh, it's yeah. You have to be prepared because we're only brewing one and a half to two times a week on average, um, and kegging one and a half to two times a week. So there's there's a fair bit of time where there's other stuff to do. So you kind of have to be able to do a bit of everything. Uh, and then there's Rose, and Rose um, also hospital background, um, and she's you know the malt wrangler. It's her official title and does a bit of everything. You know. Not, not, yeah, she moves uh, tons of malt like it's nobody's business. Can also brew, keg, clean, etc., etc. So yeah, it's, it's it's a small team, but really, really great team. And um, you know, it's 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 that perpetual uh, question of do you you know put in a few more tanks and make a bit more beer and give your crew more brewing to do and less bartending, which you know they seem to be quite keen on, <laughs> <laughs> which is understandable. Solitude and stainless, I call it. You know, it's kind of nice. If you've been in hospital for many, many, many years, as Rose, David, myself have, it is kind of nice to head out to the brewery and, and just get in the zone and, and, and make something at the end of the day. You know, hospitality is, is, is wonderful and you're sort of helping create an you know, atmosphere and environment and experience. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, 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 it's quite nebulous, you know. Uh, whereas if you're making a tank of beer at the end of the day, you can point to that tank and go, we made that beer. And that's, you know, that's kind of cool and novel. Um, for us hospital workers, uh, which is a which is a lovely thing, and then you know the, also the concept of coming up with an idea for a beer, whether it starts as a cheesy pun or you know flavour profile or whatever, coming up with a with a beer with a name for the beer, designing it, brewing it, kegging it, pouring it, and then you know Amy Millhinch, who's our graphic designer, does some some excellent work, very witty, craptastic as we call it, um, crappy fantastic, and um, very humorous artwork for us and. And all, all of a sudden it becomes a thing, you know, and it becomes a thing that has a life, you know, beyond us. It sort of takes on a life of its own. And, you know, I still get a buzz when punters come up to the bar and ask for blood oats, for instance, or a non-core promise. And, you know, we haven't had it on tap for a little while and, and they remember the name and it's a thing and they order it. And that's, that, you know, that's pretty cool. And, I, you know, I, I get the buzz that brewers get from that. Or anyone, I guess, who makes something and then people like it. You know, and they they like it enough to to enable us to maintain our habit. Exactly. Hey, Jade, I'll take you back to that magical night in July. Um, so the Craft Beer Awards presentation evening. Um, talk us through the results, and then uh, tell us about receiving that trophy for the uh, Champion Small Brewer. Sure. Well, the, uh, the 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 result was was absolutely phenomenal. We we'd entered. Uh, it's the only awards we enter, the Craft Beer Awards. And we'd entered um, a couple of years previous, and you know done pretty solidly, given we're you know a fledgling brewery, and you know a couple of couple of silvers, a couple of bronzes in each year previous to that. And our mission was to get a gold. Well, we wanted, we just wanted a gold for any of our beers, and we would have been absolutely stoked because it you know we enter for 
for benchmarking purposes. You know, we we want to know that our beers are on the right track, and when they're being judged by the best uh, judges and brewers in the country, if they're telling you your beer is a gold medal, then you you know you're kind of on the right track. So we don't have the same marketing um, imperative, I guess, that production breweries have, because uh, you have to come here to drink our beer. So you know, it doesn't certainly doesn't hurt driving people here to drink our beer if you if we win awards. But it's you know, it's it's more about benchmarking for us and I guess vindicating the punters as well in terms of what they like. So mission was one gold. Went to um went to the awards and uh, I was at Adelaide Oval, which was a, a beautiful thing, and got a gold in the first category and that was uh, that was called promise. And just thought, wow, that's cool, job's done. You know, we can go home, go home happy. Then the next category was um, I think it was London or dark ales and porters and so on, and we picked up a gold for. Shiploads Porter, which w- was you know a complete surprise because it was a it was a once off, it was a nerdy collaboration with the with the History Trust of SA, and we brewed it for Maritime History Week, which is you know <laughs> it was, it was, yeah not not as you do picked as a, as you do exactly right, and it was you know looking at the history of of grog at sea effectively, and uh, thought right well, let's brew a porter and we'll make it an old school London porter and we'll chuck some molasses in there, call it Shiploads, job's done. Uh, so we got a goal for that, and I was like, wow, two goals, that's phenomenal. And then next ca- category was wheat, and um, and we got a, a, a gold for our Black Lime Goza, which I was really happy about. Uh, one of the more challenging beers that we brew, and one of the, certainly one of the more challenging beers to balance that we brew. And then got another gold in the same category for Danger Zone, and at that point we were just like, this is, this is crazy. You know, the first three categories have got four golds, um, and just thought, wow, that's, you know, that's extraordinary. Whatever happens from there is, you know, is, is a bonus. Uh, and, you know, we peaked early, and that was all we got, um, but, but absolutely <laughs> stoked. And, uh, you know, the awards, you know, I guess we're, to get any golds was phenomenal. To get four was, you know, really amazing. Um, but I was also happy, really happy about, you know, how we did it. And, you know, obviously golds are golds, but to get it across such a diverse range of styles, I think was really satisfying as well, being a, a pretty straight up London porter, being a nice hoppy rye pale and a cheesy pun, that was core promise. Uh, and then to have a black lime goza, um, which was kettle soured and fermented with Saison yeast, and then a kettle soured uh, Berliner Weisse with raspberries, which had a blend of yeast in it, you know, so again, quite quite sort of, you know, deceptively tricky beers to brew. Um, that was really satisfying too. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just for the same beer or the same style. It was, you know, it was across a range. So, you know, that that was really, really satisfying. And then there was a sort of a lull in between um, the the trophies, the beer trophies, uh, individual beer trophies, and then the the champion breweries. And there was, you know, it was quite a buzz in the room. There was a lot of love for the weedy in the room. It was it was fair to say we just, you know, we kind of in a state of of disbelief at that point with four goals and. And then there's just you know friends of the weedy, some of whom we didn't you know we didn't, couldn't couldn't hear where they were coming from, but just all these cries around the room going go the weedy go the weedy, and it was uh, yeah it was it was pretty amazing it was uh, you know a bit of bit of home ground love there I think, um, and then uh, came to the the, the champion uh, champion breweries, and uh, it couldn't have been uh, more perfect really, in the way that it was done our our good mate John Burridge from Hopco formerly of Moo, he was presenting the award for Champion Small Brewery, um, and uh, pretty much as soon as he opened the, the envelope, had a fair idea, because he, 
he made a comment. It's ah, oh, this means a, you know means a lot to me. And it's like, oh no, we've got it. And then the whole room is going, weedy, weedy, weedy. And then it was the wedding. John jumped off the stage, ran into the crowd, crash tackled us, <laughs> nearly took us out. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty amazing. It was uh, you know every everything sort of came together. I mean, obviously at you know at home was fantastic. Adelaide Oval <clears throat> was a perfect perfect spot for it. Um, and in the context of you know pretty tough 18 months that we'd had, um, it was uh, it was pretty special. So yeah, it was it was amazing. I think it would be very much one of those moments that will um, you know remember forever, really. And it was uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty special. Just to recognise the the Woody Woody Boyinko crew and and the Woody crew as well. I mean, obviously, you know, such a big part of the the brewery success is is you know is the crew behind the bar as well. So yeah, that was that was amazing, and um, got to dedicate it to Trotty, the late Trot, and uh, I think she would have been she would have been pretty stoked, and the fact it was at Adelaide Oval, which is her favourite place outside the front <laughs> bar of the Weedy. So you know, she spent uh, she spent more than uh, and- a bit of time there. More than a bit of time. Uh, she was a, a member, and she'd she'd religiously take the test match off every year, and she'd attend uh, every day of the test match, which is uh, which is no mean feat. So yeah, it was it was quite extraordinary, and uh, you know still feels quite surreal, really. Um, but now we've kind of settled down a bit. It's like right now we need to back it up. Well, that's it. The only thing harder than being on top is staying on top, isn't it? Indeed, because we had absolutely no expectation of, of winning the, the champion trophy. As I said, gold was the mission, so to get that was extraordinary. Um, but now it's like, right, we need to, uh, you know, need to show that it wasn't, back it, up uh, now. it wasn't a fluke. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. And, you know, back it up, which obviously gets tougher and tougher, and uh, you know, the comp gets tougher and tougher, and uh, more and more breweries coming online. And um, I think for, for all breweries, really, there's such a steep learning curve and. You know, it, even from from batch to batch, there are improvements, and I think that's obviously a big part of what what the awards are about. You know, and the conference is is just <clears throat> bringing everyone up. You know, and and constant improvement. The beer is just getting better and better, and you know, the competition getting tougher and tougher. And I think that's you know, I, I think really that's where everyone wins. Certainly, the punters win, get better beer. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite extraordinary. Um, certainly, a, you know, uh, something I'll remember for for the rest of my life. Matt. Jade, you, you mentioned um, that you hadn't entered the, uh, the, the the craft beer awards was the only awards that you entered. Having done so well in those, would you look at entering other awards, or is there a reason that you don't enter the, uh, for example, the uh, Australian International Beer Awards? Um, well, in the past, again, it's, you know, I guess oh, we, we're such a small scale, so there are there are practical reasons we don't do that. It's if we keep sending beer out to awards, we won't have much beer for our own bar. And we we have come very close to running out of beer for our own bar on numerous occasions. It's also logistically takes up a lot of time, um, you know, to send samples. And obviously, we only send stuff refrigerated, and to make sure it's refrigerated and handled you know correctly and so on. Um, and it can get quite expensive sending lots of samples off and having enough kegs kicking around, getting them back and so on. So there are there are sort of practical reasons why we don't do it. But I guess it's also um, uh, as I've sort of touched on before, the benefits to us are, uh, are slightly different to that of a production brewery. So if you're a production brewery, um, you, you, your beer is likely to be available in a whole a wide range of places, bottle shops, other venues, etc., etc., interstate. So if you know you, you hear um, that the brewery picks up champion 
pale ale at the AIBAs or, you know, champion meat in brewery, whatever, uh, and then you go into your local bottle shop, wherever that may be in the country, and you go, oh, yeah, they want that. I'm going to have a crack at that. And it just has a lot more um, uh, leverage. You get a lot more leverage, basically, if, if your beer is available out and about. For us, it's the we almost, uh, well, we very rarely send beer outside the pub. Um, and if we do it for a really good reason, so, you know, good beer week in Melbourne, um, Sydney beer week, uh, specific events within those things. If, if we collaborate with uh, a brewery, so we could bake with Hobart Brewing Co, for instance, we might swap pallets, you know. But it, it's a rare thing, probably less than, it would be less than 5% of our, our production is sent off-site. Um, so people, the, the advantage of, 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 you know, the marketing side of thing would be to effectively drive people to the pub. Um, and as I said, it certainly doesn't hurt winning those things, but it doesn't have the same... Um, you know the same the same cachet so to speak so uh, for us it's more benchmarking um, just make sure our beers are you know on the right track and getting better um, that's really important you know we, we might consider the AIBAs but again you know it would it'd be kind of it would be nice um, but not sure that it's you know as relevant to us as it is to you know uh, other breweries that are sending their beer out and about you know but that might, that might change I mean if you know certainly um, now that most awards except draft and except smaller kegs, it makes it easier than having to send 50s um, or package, which obviously we don't do. So, you know, I won't say never, but at this point we're, you know, we're pretty happy just to, you know, keep it at the CBAs and or the IBAs, as they will probably be called, and, uh, and, and leave it at that, I reckon. Yeah, well, we wish you all the best with that, Jade. And, uh, and, and look, really nice too that... Um, you were able, as you say, to, to do it on home turf because the uh, the intention, I think, um, through the IBA is that uh, the awards themselves will probably find a permanent home uh, moving forward rather than going around from town to town, whereas the conference um, and uh, yeah, the conference will uh, will will do the the travel, but the uh, the awards all the awards and a consumer based event I think will will find a permanent home from next year. So really yeah, nice that you were able to. Yeah, I, I see. I think that's a shame, you know. And I reckon um, certainly if the judging occurs in in a central location, then there is absolutely an advantage to the home state and to the home home ground advantage <clears throat> is very very real, um, both in terms of the beer and the way it presents and in terms of cost. Uh, it's always going to cost a hell of a lot more if you're, you know, I feel for Western Australia here, but if you're, you know, you're, you're all the way over there, it's going to cost you a packet to send your beer, particularly if you're sending it cold, which you should be. Um, so it costs a lot more. You then have to, you know, have to scoot around the country as well and accommodate and all the rest of it. Um, but also the beer, you know, and I think it, if you look at the history of results, I reckon you can certainly draw a correlation between, you know, the home teams tend to do pretty well. And I don't think that's by accident. I mean, you know, you can you can time your beer. I mean, certainly scheduling is a challenge for us because we only have three fermenters. So if you're trying to, <clears throat> you know, schedule all of your hoppy beers to be you know, as fresh as possible, for instance, while not staling your saisons, et cetera, et cetera, it's a logistical um, challenge. And if you then couple that with having to have your beers ready, say, a couple of weeks earlier in order to ship them, then distinct advantage to the home team who can say, right, I mean, one of our gold medal winning beers um, was the, the Danger Zone. We kegged that the day we delivered it to the consolidation point. You know, so we literally kegged it, dropped it off at, at, at Frigid, and then it was officially entered, you know, and 
if we were sending our beer into state, that we just wouldn't have been able to put that beer in because we couldn't time yeah. it with three fermenters. So, you know, I, I think it's a bit of a shame and it, it will definitely um, advantage the, the home breweries, you know, and I, well, I think it's a much more of a level playing field if everyone has to ship around the country. We, and look, we should point out that I don't know that it's uh, whether it's you know in, in the planning stages or it's a it's it's an a thought bubble at the moment or whether it's locked in. Um, but certainly, I guess opportunity there for um, you make some really good valid points. So it's it's probably worth making making those known to to the powers of yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. I, I will because I, I think I know a lot of other other breweries who kind of feel the same. And I think yes, it is you know it is a bit of a a pain moving around. But again, that's you know it's. Uh, the benefit of it, and if it's the the, the awards and the um, and the conference, is you, you actually have a really good excuse to check out other cities and and see what other breweries are doing that you wouldn't necessarily do otherwise. You know, I mean, everyone's flat chat running their own business, and you know, it, it's it's easy just to sort of skid around your own bubble. And you might go to Melbourne or Sydney every now and then, but you know, a lot of breweries wouldn't necessarily be heading to Perth on a regular basis, or Hobart or Brisbane, or Canberra. Um, you know, but this it, it gives people a good excuse to travel, and I think that's a really that's a really good thing, rather than just being caught in the same little bubbles that these things tend to be. So you know, you go Melbourne and Sydney, and um, you know, I think that's that's limiting, and it's limiting. Uh, it doesn't represent the beer scene in Australia, you know, and I think it it's uh, it would be a shame if that is the case. So yeah, I'll certainly certainly share those thoughts. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think this, it's a national organisation, so the, the awards and the judging and the conference should reflect that rather than just being based in, a, in the big cities. Here, here. Hey, Jade, we better let you get back uh, onto the tools and brew some of those beers and come up with some of those cheesy puns for which you are now um, uh, very well um, recognised in terms of, of the awards. So, well done again. Prof, and, just uh, before we do, I might just throw... Yeah. So, sorry, Prof, yeah. I just want to go, uh, now, now that we've finished talking about uh, Weedy Brewing Corps, I just want to throw a more general um, thing, seeing we've got Jade, because uh, Jade, I sort of regard you as being, you know, th there's a group of publicans who have a very strong philosophical approach to the way that they run their pubs, and, you know, there's people like uh, Corey Crooks in Newcastle and uh, Josh up at Black Bunny Kitchen on, on Maroochydore. You've got a very strong view about the industry and who you support and who you don't support. What's your thinking about things like Four Pines takeover? You know, do, will they still have a uh, position on your uh, on, on your taps? Yeah, it's kind of you know along the lines of creatures and goat. It's you know on the one hand sort of congratulations, on the other hand so long. <laughs> you know, it's it's good on them, and you know I, I think it's it's. I've obviously done pretty well out of the whole deal, and it is no mean feat to be able to, you know, set up a business <clears throat> to the point where the biggest brewer uh, wants wants a, a piece of the action. You know, I think that is that certainly uh, pretty impressive. Um, however, I I think once that happens, you know, you you make a call that it's effectively all about the money, and then you don't really need support from venues like us or other small venues. You know, and it, but we don't we don't throw a tantrum about it. We don't make a big you know a big to do. But at that point, as I said, it's congratulations and so long. You know you 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 do just fine without support um, uh, of venues like the Weedy, and there are lots of other uh, independent independently owned, independently run breweries that um, you know that that might struggle to get tap space. And 
that that could do with a bit of um, with a bit of support. So, yeah, that tends to be our approach. Again, no song and dance about it, but um, they don't need our help now that they're uh, so closely aligned with the multinational. They have phenomenal resources behind them, um, which you know, clearly we can't even remotely dream of competing with. And uh, there are lots of lots of new breweries coming up, and effectively it just makes room for uh, some of the new ones, I reckon. You know, and it's an added incentive for the other breweries to uh, just, yeah, again, lift their game, get some interesting things happening, and, um, you know, and then when the next brewery sells out and when the next brewery gets a tap on the shoulder, then we'll, um, you know, same deal. I think it's, it's, it's that kind of natural evolution. Uh, you know, I, I think, I, on the one hand, it's a, yeah, good on you, congratulations. On the other hand... I think there is a point at which it starts to uh, devalue the notion of of craft, and if we're going to talk about craft as a thing in an, in, in an industry, um, you know, and I hate the terminology, but it devalues the brand of craft. You know, craft spends a lot of time telling everyone that it's different and that it does things because it's passionate about what it does, and it's all about quality and character and integrity, um, and we do things differently, and it's not just about the money. And then, you know, for every brewery that sells out, it kind of, you know, makes makes a you know, mockery of that approach by saying, well, actually, it kind of ultimately is all about the money. So it does become harder to um, uh, to to make that pitch to customers, I think, you know, and slowly they'll become more and more cynical and say, right, we've spent 10 years telling us it's not about the money and now you've just sold out to the biggest brewery on the planet. Um, why are you different again? Tell us why you're different again. You know, so I, th- I think there are interesting, you know, interesting questions in that whole, that whole um, dynamic. Um, but, you know, we don't need to get too caught up. And then it's like, yep, that's cool, good on you, but you don't need our help. And it doesn't sound like it affects what you do, both as a brewer and as a publican. It doesn't, sorry, it doesn't, what was it? It doesn't affect what you do. You, 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 you guys do what you do uh, as brewers and publicans, irrespective of what uh, is going on elsewhere in the industry. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, I guess, one of the, the distinct advantages of being a brew pub <clears throat> and why I'm so keen on the idea. And, you know, we're not um, fighting for tap space in other venues and, and, and trying to sell our beer and having a rep on the road and dealing with distribution and all that kind of hoo-ha. That, that's just something we don't, don't even need to engage in. And I'm really happy. It's not by accident, obviously, but I'm really quite happy about that. And we can just do our own thing. Sort of, you know, often describe the weedy as being sort of a parallel universe. You know, someone, someone describes San Francisco as whatever, 30 square miles surrounded by reality. And I kind of like to think of the weedy like that as well. You know, we're sort of in our own, in our own bubble and we just do what we want to do, how we want to do it. Um, and as long as we do it well enough and as long as there are enough punters who kind of think the same to keep, as I said, you know, sort of keep, keep maintain our habit, then we can keep doing that. I mean, obviously we're aware of what's going on and, you know, have, have a take on it, but uh, we, we're not reactive in that sense. I mean, we might do something as a bit of a, you know, uh, a bit of fun or a bit, a bit of a piss take, um, but in terms of saying, all right, well, now we need to do this, that's just not how we operate. We've always done our own thing. And you know, done what we want to do, <clears throat> and then uh, you know, hope that we could justify it financially, and it keeps a roof over our heads. You know, and I think that's the the strength of a brew pub is that you, if you get, if you get it right, you can be, you know, to a degree, um, you know, immune from a lot of that stuff, uh, immune to it, and you can, you know, as long as you get, you just do your own thing and you do it well enough, you'll you'll do okay. You know, without being caught up in the in the politics of that. So, again, not by accident. We don't have to we don't have to buy into that, and we don't have to deal with it. And I'm 
you know, it's, it's one of the, the main drivers uh, and motivators in, in running a brew pub. Running a pub, certainly, but running a brew pub is you can, you can, you can do what you want. You know, when you want, with whomever you want. And uh, a big part of that philosophy for us is, is dealing with people, only dealing with people we want to deal with. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's a good way to, good way to do business and certainly the way we like to do business. Um, but, you know, let them do what they want. Let breweries sell out. Um, punters will be confused to a degree. Punters will get more cynical about the industry to a degree. But as long as those, you know, those, those breweries, those brew pubs that maintain their in- integrity and their transparency um, they, they, and, and their quality, obviously, then they're going to continue to do well. And, Jade, that's something certainly worth raising a glass to. And if it wasn't uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, 10 o'clock in Brisbane, uh, we would be doing that uh, as we speak. You're half an hour behind, in between us, I think, aren't you? So, yeah, and you're in a pub. Uh, yeah, a we're, brewery, we're pushing so. 11 o'clock. So. Yeah, stop it's, it. It's Let's have a beer. time. <laughs> <laughs> well, have, some, have some booze. We haven't, even, we haven't even spoken about booze, as in the word uh, booze. We might have to. Episode? We might almost have to save that for a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Hot topic, hot button I'd... topic. But, but apparently, so I just love, I love the term booze. I think it's, it's, it's one of my favourites. But we, we can talk about it. We can talk about it later. <laughs> you can use it as long as sales reps don't. Matt's happy. I do. Yeah. You know. No, it, 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 it's one of those things that, like, I, again, you know, you, you can become too stuffy about, it, and I know that this is one of those things that can be, but I just think that, you know, wine writers say, you know, refer to Grange Hermitage as plonk, and the irony is so loaded in that that it does nothing to turn, you know, it, it takes the stuffiness out of some of the wankiness around Grange Hermitage, but beer has such a low perception already that when you talk about beer as being booze, it does nothing to raise a perception. I think, uh, you know, we, we, we see so many... It's so expensive for small breweries to make beer that we need to keep as much value in the perception around beer as we can to convince people to spend more money on it. And if uh, beer is just regarded as being booze or piss or grog or whatever, it just uh, lowers the, the value. And that, that, that's my only point around it, you know. Yeah, yeah. see, I, you know, I, I think booze has a playfulness about it. And... Uh, certainly it's quite um, widely used in the wine industry and again it has that touch of irony and, and yes arguably wine needs uh, de-wanking terms certainly um, and, and you know grog and plonk is a, a tool of them but booze I reckon is, is good and playful and most people uh, certainly in our, in our context talk about good booze and quality booze so it's, it's almost always qualified rather than just saying booze, you want booze and I, I don't know whether it's because of the nature of this venue and craft venues, uh, I reckon it's used differently. And maybe it's horses for courses. If, if I wouldn't put that on a, you know, on a, an ad in a newspaper, for instance, <clears throat> necessarily. But if you, you're discussing beer, you know, in the context of a brew pub or, a, you know, a craft beer venue, I think, I think it's got legs. And I like it because it's playful. You know, I think the danger is beer taking itself too seriously and trying to be like wine Absolutely, too much no, I, and, and getting too wanky. No, and then, I, I fully agree. And people can switch off at that, you know, and it's like, oh, God, beer's not wine. Don't try and be wine. Try and, you know, <laughs> embrace, embrace the things that make beer more interesting, which is, which is a playfulness, and it doesn't take itself too seriously, and it is more democratic. And booze, I, I don't know, I think booze kind of is, has but more, again, more of a general appeal. But again, at what point does that appeal. playfulness 
that's the same argument that uh, is is made to stop people from getting shit faced on the hill and uh, you know getting in people's faces. Oh, we're just being playful, and and that's you know it, it's one of those things that playfulness is sometimes used to excuse a whole range of really bad behaviours. Um, and and I take your point. And definitions of words can change as well. So mm. booze may not mean what it once did, which is to get boozed, which is to get shit faced. And and that's where I'm tracing the etymology of the word from. And uh, I, I I just think that. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely don't want beer to become stuffy, but at the same time, um, one of the things that I constantly butt my head against and have done through my entire career is the low perception of beer um, and getting beer into different occasions and you know having it seen as something worthy of uh, occasions that beer traditionally hasn't been consumed at. And that's not talking about making it wine. Um, it is confronting some of those perception things. And I just, again, when I hear the word booze, I, I, I know that it's said playfully, but I also hear it confirming some of the worst stereotypes um, for, from beer. So, yeah, no, look, I, I, again, yeah. it's, I, I wouldn't yeah. die in a ditch over it, but I, I do we, raise it. Start, you know, Even start. the act of raising it gets people thinking about it. Jeez, I'm, yeah, I'm glad we weren't. Indeed. I'm glad we we're going to cover this at another time. We should yeah, point out too that. When it comes to responsible service, you know, and we start t- tying it in there, I mean, again, this ties in with cultural stuff, and that's, you know, what I take issue with as well. When people say we have a drinking problem um, in, in the context of, you know, bars and lockouts and all that kind of hoo ha, and I, I would tend to say we don't necessarily have a drinking problem, we have a dickhead problem. And, you know, I, I think. No one comes into a pub to leave stone cold sober, and I think ignoring that or denying that, I think, is 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 really doing nothing to to deal with the issue. And I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with people having a couple of quiet drinks and getting getting a bit buzzy, even getting to the point where potentially, you know, legally, you shouldn't be serving them. It's not the end of the world. Someone comes in this stone cold sober and they're aggressive and perhaps even violent. And that's the problem. The problem is antisocial behaviour. The problem is not necessarily having a few too many drinks. And I think that's one of the reasons we're so hung up on on responsible service. You know, is is other cultures can drink and drink without being dickheads. Australians really struggle to drink and not be dickheads. But um, that's because we see ourselves as larrikins. You know, so so you know, taking your point about you know that it's it's lighthearted and you know it's got all of those connotations and larrikinism has been, you know, bad behaviour um, has been used because it, it, it's part of our, you know, laid back, relaxed, you know, larrikin culture. And um, that, that, that's where, I, I, well, if you ask a dickhead whether he's being a dickhead, he'll just say, you know, I'm just being an Aussie larrikin, I'm sure. I mean, that I'm sure that would be the mental image he has of himself. Some of them, yeah, um, but it's, it's more but again, the, 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 the whole that his mates give him, isn't it? You know, and I, and I think that's, that's a broader cultural thing. Uh, you know, most people can drink without wanting to punch on. Most people can drink without wanting to behave in a, you know, a, a, a antisocial manner. But a lot of it is is what you accept from your mates, you know. And I think that's that's part of the problem. Is yeah, it's, but it's often you, accepted. You just laugh at it, you know. You go ha ha ha. He's you know he's pissing on his neighbour's car again, or you know whatever. Um, that's that's broader cultural thing, you know. And I th- I think. Yeah, yeah humor, and, and look, I mean, the, the, that's a whole other can of to worms. To dismantle it, you know, rather than, than you know, I think if we, if we take it too seriously, it's going to be counterproductive. Yeah, and, well, look, I, and again, this is where it comes down to what is taking it too seriously and what is actually perpetuating myths about beer. And, you know, like I see, if, if Karl Stefanovic gets up on... Um, uh, the whatever morning show he's on and talks about how smashed he got at 
um, the, the Logies the night before. He didn't punch on, he didn't do anything. But that act of larrikinism, and, and, which is the way he's always referred to in the media, is seen as a positive thing. And, I, I, and that's where I think in Australia we have a culture of celebrating hangovers. And the first question you ask somebody isn't, gee, did you have a good night at the weedy last night? It's, how'd you pull up this morning? And yeah. so it's almost yeah. saying that to have a good night. And so I've, I, 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 I hear what you're saying and I take your point. Drinking I, culture. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and that's where I think that we often justify that. And when, when you see the, the, the media justify, and particularly the right wing, you know, the, the, the sort of loud shock jocks, they talk about we're becoming a nanny state or we're taking it too seriously. And so they take your argument and use that to cover a whole lot of antisocial behaviours because that's the way they've grown up. And that's where I've become very concerned about what words mean. But I think, Prof, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we've taken it a lot further than we ever meant to. And uh, <laughs> maybe this uh, would be another roundtable discussion that we could have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's talk drinking culture. Exactly. And let's, uh, you know, onwards and upwards, uh, drinking fresh, drinking local and, uh, and spreading the good word about good beer, which I think we've done today. Um, and so I would like to thank again uh, Jade Flavel from the Wheaty and the Wheaty Brewing Corps. Thanks for joining us again on Radio Brews News. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Do you feel Our pleasure, Jade. Do you, do you feel love now? I do. I do. It was, <laughs> I did. I did feel bad about that. I'm just. It's a, it was a gentle razz, but, but you know, gentle razzes bear fruit. That's it. That's all right. Our, our work here is done. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Take it easy. Thank you. Thanks again, Jade. Thanks, Jade. And that was Jade Flavel from the Wee Chief Hotel and the Wheaty Brewing Corps. Radio Brews News and Beer as a Conversation is made possible by our generous sponsors, Cry Malt and Brewpack, who are not only supporting this conversation, they are supporting the good beer industry, and we thank them for that support. We also thank our Radio Brews News paid subscribers, who donate a small amount each month to help keep the conversation going as well. Thank you for helping us out. If you like what we do, you can find a link to become a paid subscriber yourself, or just leave a review on iTunes or your favourite podcasting app so other people can find us too. You can also send some feedback through by emailing producer at brewsnews.com.au. Let us know who you'd like to have a conversation with or what you think about our other conversations. Join us next week for another Good Beer Conversation. That's a wrap.